0: it's the selection box the arts and culture podcast from the irishman abroad podcast network well we are approaching the end of our mini-series on independent irish booksellers and no series focusing on these stores their rise in popularity and our need to support them would be complete without talking about vibes and scribes the award-winning original store began life in McCroom and today finds itself at two gorgeous locations on Bridge Street and Lavitz Quay in Cork City. The woman behind this pillar of Irish, of the Irish literary world, is Joan Lucy, and she joins me now. Joan, thank you so much for taking the time to do this.
1: Delighted to speak with you this morning, we
0: Well take us back to 1991, when your sister offered to help you buy a shop in McCroom there was a huge risk in that, in taking the plunge into a business you didn't have experience within. What was driving you at that time to do it, Joan?
1: To be honest, it's so long ago. I still can remember, but it is a long time ago. I had given up the bank, my secure job and I had a three-year-old son and I had separated from his father and I was looking for something new to do and something to support us. Mm. And And my sister, I suppose the family were a bit worried about me. What will you do? My sister looked out the window and saw a shop out the window of her office and said, you know, you could do a shop. And we decided, what could I do? It was either dry cleaning or books. And we were all readers in our family. So that didn't take much of a a sort of a pondering. And so I just went for it. To be honest, I never thought about the risk. That's probably one of the things I have going for me. I'm a reasonable risk taker. I mean, it's thought out risk. I just went for it. And I was very fortunate in that the people in McCroom were really delighted to have a bookshop. And they supported me totally and absolutely. And I suppose you could say that sort of built a a very strong attachment to book business and to business generally because it just gave me back all my self-esteem. And I Mm. just found I was really good at something and I really enjoyed it.
0: Yes, yeah, so it was obviously a tricky enough time, you know, with the separation and a small child to support. I know as a parent myself, supporting a child on podcasts and jokes, stressful, stressful enough. But you say that the people of McCroom kind of took the bookshop to their heart immediately and I can totally see how that happens and across the series that sense of a town needing a bookstore and being so grateful that it exists must have been one of the first things that you felt when you opened the doors.
1: I was so delighted I do remember arriving with my empty briefcase that someone had given me a present of and there's an apple and a yogurt in the briefcase (laughs) and feeling I'd arrived and honestly I did so many events in the first two years that I was there And I suppose connected with the community and really from day one, people came over, they supported me, they were delighted. And I suppose we're a family that have lived in McCroom for many generations. So I really appreciated the support there. But I would say in all the years that I'm working in the business, I have found not just McCroom support, but Munster support and especially Cork support. People are very keen to support an independent business and they, they go be like... I'm astounded sometimes by the amount of support and goodwill we get. Mm. And it has made really working in the business a joy.
0: Yeah. And again, it's a, it's a theme, a running thread through our series here as we kind of approach the final couple of episodes of it. Is that a kind of community building support structure around these shops and how the shop understands itself to be more than just a retailer of books. And you understood that from the beginning, clearly, with these events. What kind of events were you running and how much did they kind of pave the way for everything that was to follow?
1: Well, it wasn't a terribly busy shop and I had a lot of energy at the time. So anything that I could think of, I had poetry readings. I remember one beautiful evening, the sun shone and we had a big group of people in the very small shop open the doors and came out onto the street and it was an anthology of Cork short stories and two or three of the authors, Alice Taylor, John A. Murphy, Sean Dunn, they are these people. And John A. Murphy sang. People stood up and said, Port, I mean, it's a memory of a really, really special night. But there was lots of evenings. And of course, when it would come near Christmas, I'd invite all my friends to an evening, hoping they'd all spend their money and buy their, their Christmas presents from me. And that really started got the, the shop going, really. You know, I had, as I say, I managed to get as many people out from Cork to come as well to these events. And, you know, people want a nice, sociable event. And even to this day, all the years going past since then, we've done so many events in the shop, all sorts of sizes. I suppose our biggest event we did before lockdown, we had Mary Robinson in Lavitts Key. Oh, wow. And it was actually astounding that people were so thrilled. We had queues of people wanting to come. She was so amazing. And it was another night that I remember as being just so proud to have somebody so special speak to us. And everybody, when she arrived in, there was just silence in the room. It was just, it was wonderful. And there's a lot of bookshops business that has been like that, along with all the stresses and the other things. But you remember the really good times.
0: Sure. And I know what you mean about the power of Mary. She's been Mm -hmm. on the show before and uh, when she speaks, people do just drop everything and listen. One of my favourite episodes of the last eight years was with her. But you mentioned that that event took place in Cork City. And as I said at the start of the show, you have two locations there, Bridge Street and Lavitz Quay. That must have been, you know, the fork in the road for you and your life, because let's face it, so many of our previous episodes have focused on places like Trim and Maynooth and Kilcullen. And to a large extent, Vibes and Scribes in McCroom could have happily existed there and been the, you know, this beautiful legendary shop that people would travel to and make a point of getting to McCroom for. But You had an ambition inside you, clearly, to see this opportunity arise in the big city of Cork, the second capital, and go, you know what, we'll give this a go.
1: Actually, I'm not even sure about my ambition. I tend to just react at the time. I I remember a friend of mine giving me some advice that I would never make enough money in the small shopping room to hire an extra person so that I'd be able to spend more time with my son. Hmm. And so I thought I need a bigger shop so that I can make more money so that then I can pay somebody. <laughs> yeah. So I went to Cork City and looked around and remortgaged my house and bought a premises in Bridge Street. Well, I'm not saying I had endlessly more time with my son because of it, but we both enjoyed it very much and he grew up in the shop. And um, like I never regretted one moment of it. I, that shop that I bought in the city at the time, I could only open 800 square feet. That's what I had the money for. And every time I made another bit of money, we had permanent builders in. And, and you know, the customers love that. Oh, you're doing an extra bit. I mean, I'd say we had about six extensions. I've, there's about 5000 square feet in retail now. But actually, that is no longer the bookshop. That is our crafting supply business. And we have the bookshops down in Lavitz Quay, which is a full price bookshop and next door to it, a second hand bookshop.
0: Like that place and anybody who's been knows the, the specialness of the building itself, the, the kind of, you know, walking into history kind of sense that you get in these kind of places and how uh, I know it myself in terms of comedy clubs or venues that have you can feel the history in the walls.
1: Mm.
0: Uh, when you walked into the place and like you say, you couldn't take over every every square foot of it to start with, you must have had a sense walking in. This is it. Was there that moment? And was oh, it? Oh, I remember
1: walking in and being so excited. Now, it was like it was a bare old building, five stories high. I, I didn't I plan for the five stories. I tend to just go with do now, mm. do today, and then worry about tomorrow. But I know it was, a, it was a great building, and it was wonderful for books. But the time came actually that I needed more space for craft and slightly to differentiate the second hand from the new books. So it just sort of fitted in. The move just happened itself, really, organically. But it was a beautiful shop for books. And we did have music, second hand music there as well for a good number of years. And actually, at that stage, that was probably we were the place to go to. So then people came to town and to meet their friends, they would meet them in our shop. Yes. So,
0: you know, it was just yes. and that's the, uh, that's It was that's an the institution
1: person. at that stage.
0: Exactly. And it's very much the personality of the place. And I wondered when preparing for our conversation, how much thought goes into that idea of, well, this is who our shop is as much as what it is, is the thought towards, well, this is the character of our place, because, you know, when we're talking about independent bookshops, I we've talked about what differentiates the care, the time, the attention, the connection to the community as being significant. But over the last week, I've started to wonder when I'm visiting these shops, that those that are involved, yourself included, Joan, must have discussions and conversations around who we are as a shop as much as anything else.
1: Again, that evolved from the people involved, from myself and from my team. I suppose you have to be authentic. You have to sell what you believe in, what mm. you feel closest to, but you also have to be practical. I suppose we have to diversify quite a lot, you know, as sort of Amazon took over and as uh, it is. but areas that suited us. I mean, one of our things is three for 12 euros. So it's a bargain books that we sell three for 12. We sell a lot of those. We have blind days with a book where people just order the book. It's wrapped in brown paper. And the first line of the book is on the cover. They pick which one they want. Uh, again that's been very popular what is our personality? I'd say our personality is a bit zany, it may be a bit clectic and, 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 and because we do second hand and because that's very close to my heart I think that makes its own personality you have your own type of customer then and you, then you get the staff that suit the customer and the customers that suit the staff and we just all evolved there wasn't a sort of a major plan it just hmm. we reacted to what was happening all the time but yeah. I suppose it's about being in touch with your customers, being in touch with your team and just and what's going on
0: and what you believe in. Clearly, yeah. you yeah. have a very clear idea, as you say, of what you want to sell. And I am thinking of the listener that and I've had people in touch to go. I'm thinking of doing what your previous episodes have done, a person who is tired of their job or considering taking the leap. have been planning it for some time. And so much of the last few episodes has been kind of a how to guide, whether it's, uh, you know, Don being in Kilcullen, who largely went and did the research, <laughs> he did the opposite of what you did, went and did a course yeah. to prepare for it. The industry obviously wouldn't allow for somebody to kind of just wade in now. There's a, It's become so vast. And so competitive, you must have seen so much change since 1991 to today. Can you talk to us a little bit about maybe the scarier moments in those changes, like times when, let's be honest, there was a lot of clickbait and big articles around e readers and Kindles and yes. the idea oh. that the book was dead?
1: And <laughs> <laughs> <It's> online. <laughs> yeah. And online. Yes, there were scary moments. I think. You say I didn't prepare. Actually, I did prepare. I did one week in Chapters Bookshop in Dublin.
0: Okay. So
1: that was, my, that was my training. And I did a, a few Fridays in a bookshop in Middleton that sold school books and that. They left me come down and look at what was going on. So that, that, I did, that was my mm. training. I think I learned my way through the McCroom Bookshop because it was a smaller bookshop and you couldn't make big mistakes. You could only make small sure. mistakes. I would say I probably just had a bit of an instinct for it because I was enjoying it so much. And then you know when you're really enjoying something, you're more enthused, you get involved more. What have I seen? The scariest moments. If you I would say after two thousand and eight, when the recession hit, I felt for the next few years I walked on high alert the whole time. I felt I was just on high alert. You didn't know what to ha- what was going to happen next. I've seen a lot of changes before that, as you say, books, lots of different things, but somehow that seemed one problem at a time, a smaller problem. This was like a national, a worldwide problem. And on top of everything else, the bookshops were getting hit badly. And I suppose, as I said, I just worked on High Alert for about two years and just kept watching everything. It was very scary. And I suppose the most difficult thing was I never spoke about it to anybody because there was no point in frightening the team. There was no point in frightening the family. I just kept going and convincing myself just preparing the whole time for the next bad thing to happen and just just tightening up as much as i possibly could and then we just survived it and we got through it and nothing bad happened to us really we survived it very well and all the sort maybe this startup on really we managed to get through it very well and i wondered all the worry (laughs) was it worth it You know,
0: (laughs) I do. I do. And I think everyone listening to this will remember that period. And, you know, whatever about the uncertainty of the pandemic 2008 and around that period, it it really was hard to know if this was what when, when we talk about new normal, if this was going to be the new normal of everybody just having far less, you know, surplus income. And I guess books rely upon that. But I have never seen such a boom in reading and maybe I sometimes think that I'm way more connected to it because I'm watching my son who comes up on the show all the time, Mikey Regan, who is 10 years old and an avid reader devouring book after book in a way that I never did as a child. I've put this to a couple of guests. You must be aware that this is the Harry Potter book seems to have initiated a change or a shift in reading as an activity for youngsters that they engage in in a way that i've never seen before
1: well i could say one thing i remember when i wasn't in business very long going to a lecture about books for children and the you know so long ago i can't even remember who who was speaking to us but they said give the child the gift of reading and they will never be lonely or bored mm. and my own son wasn't particularly a reader until the Harry Potters came out. And yes, he started in them and I saw it in my own house where he still has, he has first editions now where he's keeping them safely. Well, I'm minding them, he's not there. <laughs> but um, yes, it did make a huge difference to people and people felt proud and excited and they, they lear- it reminded people of the joy of reading and, you know, going into a different world and the escapism. And actually, I think maybe now at this moment too, We all need a bit of escape. And so, reading has been, if people choose to try it out again, if they haven't been reading, they will find it is a marvelous way to rest your brain and bring you to another world in a way that maybe visually looking the whole time at a film or something doesn't do. so I picked this book today because I really enjoyed it. I think it's a really good idea, and I also think it's a good present You're possibility. You listen to the selection
0: like, box exclusively of available from Irish Men Abroad Premium on Patreon.com. I love this book. It's called Boy on Fire by Michael Mark Morgie. And um, what I loved about it was it's dealing with the early years of his life. From
1: there was one book that I was dipping into: The Power of Full Engagement. I'm mad for these business type books.
0: Yeah, I love Kevin
1: Barry's work. I first got into him when uh, his first book is short. I think he's a brilliant short story writer. His novels are great.
0: So it never occurred to me that like anybody would be interested in reading books written by an Irish woman in an Irish accent. But yeah, I read the short story. I liked it. Something inside of me said, you could do something like that.
1: You know, a book is a way of starting a conversation with somebody. Mm-hmm. And it's true, the interaction with people that we can build on this sense of community. I think
0: the Independent Bookshop has that air of I, just the crack and the fun with people and discussing with people what
1: they're interested in.
0: I mean, last week's guest, Keen Byrne from the Maynooth Bookshop, described it as giving your brain a facial, uh, getting to, getting really stuck into something in that way. And it's only when he said it, I realised that this really is the only time at which I'm not distracted by my phone or another screen that just investing in a book in that way is has become so unique in the same kind of way the podcast has as well that when do we ever listen to two people talk for any great length of time other than in this setting and i do think you're right i think people are craving that but you are someone who was ahead of the curve in terms of the pandemic and dealing with it in the sense, first of all, from a business perspective, Joan, I've never seen a website like it. If people haven't visited vibesandscribes.ie, you really need to make a point of checking out what Joan, Lucy and her team have done there.
1: I have a great team. It is an extraordinary
0: website, though, and so vast. And so you must have felt so prepared for what was coming, or have no, I got you all I have wrong to there? Tell
1: you, no. Well, I'll tell you. Our website, like we've improved our website a lot. Brian and Kieran, and Imogen, and all the team that are working on it have really improved it a lot. But from when we started off, it was purely for crafting supplies. We hadn't put books on it, and I wasn't even considering putting books on it. I thought we couldn't compete out in this big world of Amazon hmm. with books. No, I won't. But. It took off. Now uh, it was very stressful because we had to, like, we we went from being a a sort of a small online shop that supported a busy craft shop to a very very busy online shop with everybody from the bookshop uh, bookshops and the craft all working on the online shop together. Like, we didn't leave anybody go. Everybody Mm. just stayed working full time, and it took us all to find new systems. It was a crazy time, but we did have a base, a core base of customers. And then on the second lockdown, Brian started working on putting on the books. And with the rest of the book team, they have been adding books all the time now. And we're actually getting ready to put on our second-end books at the moment. So that's the next step. Well, so uh, we you... are pleased with it and we are happy with the response our customers have given us.
0: Uh, well, I mean, the proof is there. I, I mean, it is a, it's is—it's an astonishing It's an astonishing website and an astonishing success story, Joan, Uh, from the awards are just, I guess, the icing on the cake. But other people who listen to this might recognise your name and the shop having never been there from, I guess, a a news story that rose at the start of the pandemic where you were ahead of the curve in face mask wearing when COVID first happened, you were asking your customers to to wear the masks. Can you talk us through that kind of storm? Well,
1: we were very aware of masks because we sold so much fabric and I did buy up all the elastic that you could possibly get in Ireland. So we were were actually selling a lot of uh, fabrics and elastics to people making their own masks and that was keeping us very busy. And we were like, Everybody was aware of the guidelines. And when it came to opening up, we were nervous. And in fairness, all our team, they came into work every day and they were often very nervous about travelling and tra- public transport. But, but we, we we kept to our guidelines as strict as we possibly could. So I thought, what's the best thing I can do for the team for opening up? Make sure they feel safe. So everybody coming into the shop wears a mask. And that's the customers and our staff. And we knew well, we didn't want expecting opposition. What we were expecting, some people might be used to doing it. So that's why we were providing the masks. And we had a box for the um, a local charity, Violence Against Women. The, the Court Crisis Sexual Vice Violence yeah, Centre. Yeah, yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So we had and um, people contributed and people were ver- very, very kind and very willing to contribute and take a mask except a few there's always a few so some people threaten to bar us and they said we're trying to control them and all that sort of stuff but i don't actually bend easy to that you know nobody's going to tell us i mean if we have to lose a few customers that don't feel comfortable in our shop well and good we did try and say to the people who don't wear masks come in make a very quick visit we'll help you as quickly as we can but best you don't expose yourself or us and we'll all stay as safe as we can. But some people mm. weren't happy about it. So there was uproar and that. But as I say, I didn't let it change my mind. I knew we were doing the right thing. I had read the advice. Yeah. And I wasn't going to let my staff down.
0: Well, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a great story to read, especially coming from, uh, you know, living over here in the UK and where we're at right now with Freedom Day next week next week, I mean, it's a scary time. We put out an episode last Friday with my wife, Tina, who's in the vulnerable category. I really do urge people to go and listen to it just in terms of that perspective that, I mean, Joan, that you were on to early, which was that this was about protecting others as much as yourself and you know, twigging that early on, reading the advice and understanding that you're not just taking the vaccine for yourself it's those that are really really scared through through all of this now for those people and my wife included books really became the lifeline through this the being able to read and you know get books delivered we've heard various different um, initiatives that the bookshops on our series have run throughout it including uh, people being able to order from around the world a monthly subscription. Halfway up the stairs offered a monthly subscription where you can get books delivered once a month to the children uh, and relatives that you wanted around Ireland. You've seen that yourself, surely, through the website and the work of Vibes and Scribes, the number of people that have come to you and through this pandemic been like, can you help us at all with this? It must be much harder to give that personal attention that Vibes and Scribes is so known for to help people arrive at the book that they need in their life, but they may not have known about now that it's all remotely done?
1: Well, I have my cousin doing a few book reviews. And uh, <laughs> we're putting those up. And well, one of the things that we did, if you're asking me what we did differently, uh, we did our first online, our Zoom launch of a book. Kevin Corcoran, who's uh, has re- in the past, he's originally from McCroom, has written walking books, West Cork Walks and and Connemara Walks. He brought out a book on Saving Eden. It's the Gaera and, Ar- and Irish Nature. It's all about... The Guaira, first of all, which is outside Macroom, which is a very, very special place of forests and but it's then all about the story of the ecology of Ireland really through the Guerra. And now we launched it online. We we haven't done anything like that before. And we are selling huge numbers of his book. And we are so delighted to support a local McCrompyan, um, Kevin Cochrane. But he's very well known for his walking books and his well and and so this we, were, we didn't know what sort of reaction we'd get, but we have sold hundreds of copies of this book. And so it's nice to think that yes, there is a different way of launching a book. You can mm. do it. But it, it, it maybe is the quality of the book itself as well as.
0: Oh, it's a beautiful uh, looking uh, book. There's no question of that. It's called Saving Eden The Gira and Irish Nature. And like we try and get one recommendation out of each uh, bookseller because nobody knows books better than you guys. That's the recommendation. Kevin Corcoran, Saving Eden, unless you've got another Joan that you'd like no, to give a shout out Can I just to. tell
1: you what? He went, when he brought the book up to me, he told me this is my main life's work. And he said when it arrived that he, he was afraid to open the parcel to look at the first book that he cried when he saw it. This ah. is how much this book means to him and to the people that have read it. Everybody is so impressed with it. I mean, I am recommending this. Like, actually, there, but you know, the interesting thing is as well is a lot of people which we know have written books. So our cock section in the shop has grown quite a lot over mm. over the last few months as well. A lot of interesting books, history books, walking books, lots of things. So that's another. Generally, I would say, look out for your local books and look out for Saving Eden.
0: Saving Eden, the Gira and Irish Nature, Kevin Corcoran, of course, as I said, vibesandscribes.ie is the website. Joan, Lucy, it's been such fun to talk to you. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. And I can't wait to to pop in when we're doing our tour of Ireland next month. Uh, Really, best of luck with everything and thanks again.
1: We'll be delighted to meet you and show you around. Thank you very much for contacting me.
0: Joan, Lucy there from Vibes and Scribes in Cork please do make a point of checking them out Vibesinscribes.ie. jigsaw.ie are my chosen charity partner I'd love if you went and checked out their work with youth mental health in Ireland if you have a couple of extra quid this week kick it in because they just can't keep doing the work they're doing they've seen a 400% jump in demand for their support and services so jigsaw.ie if you have a couple of extra quid Uh, john marr does the extra research brian connolly is on soundtina and mikey make it all possible and we'll be back on friday with Marion mckeon and more irishman in america but for now joan lucy thank you so much and i will see you very soon
1: thank you very much